On 29th August 1966, he was put to death. Mm. He was made a martyr. Rahimahullah. At that time, on that day, I was in Beirut in the morning. And uh, I saw his, uh, one of the Nasserist uh, papers, papers who supported Nasser, showed his picture taken from the court to the, to the prison after the sentence. Mm. And he was smiling, beaming with a smile. His face was beaming with a smile. <laughs> and the paper said that somebody asked him, what was the sentence? He said, martyrdom. Assalamu alaikum warahmatullahi everyone. Welcome to this special uh, unscripted podcast lockdown edition. And it's another uh, special uh, edition for uh, yet another reason. Uh, we have with us uh, a very uh, special guest, alhamdulillah. We have uh, beaming uh, through uh, Zoom, we have Dr. Sheikh uh, Adil Salahi. Uh, Sheikh Adil Salahi is a very uh, distinguished uh, author and translator. He's the author of Muhammad Sallallahu Man and Prophet, and also he's the translator of Fi uh, Dilal Quran, Sayyid Qutb's uh, commentary on the Quran in the shade of the Quran. I think fifteen uh, odd volumes, mashallah, in the English language. Eighteen. Eighteen volumes, mashallah. Assalamu alaikum, Allah Sheikh. Alaikum assalam. Zakma khairan for joining us uh, this early Thank hour. Uh, how are you? Alhamdulillah. Alhamdulillah. So um, you were saying that you're, mashallah, keeping uh, very busy these days. Uh, you're still uh, still in the translation uh, business. Yes, when I'm not translating, I am writing. Yeah, mashallah. <laughs> so you have, uh, I have, I have to busy uh, to, to use my time. I don't have much yeah. time left. Allah, no, no, nobody knows how much time we have. Left nobody time. knows. Yes, yeah. but uh, May Allah give you many more. Uh, many more opportunities for khair, inshallah. Inshallah. Uh, so one of the reasons why uh, we're, we're, we're very keen to speak to you today is, um, as, as you already know, uh, this week, the 29th August, in fact, uh, is the uh, apparently the anniversary of the uh, execution of uh, Sayyid Qutb, rahimahullah. Um, and Sayyid Qutb is somebody who is a very, you know, uh, wherever you stand, wherever anyone stands uh, on him, he's a very influential uh, thinker. Um, one of the main think Islamic thinkers of, uh, you know, you can say the 20th century, rahimahullah. And I thought, who better to discuss him than uh, somebody who has not only met him, but who has such an intimate relationship with him through his literature, uh, through his uh, translating his uh, magnum opus, uh, Quran in the in the shade of the Quran. So I wanted to ask you uh, another reason of you know that that we enjoy speaking to you about uh, him is that he in particular he has a very um, let's say uh, ver a ver a varied interpretation right of both of his letter and of his personality and who he was what his message was. Um, and many people have used him, many people weaponize him, either, you know, those who love him or those who hate him, uh, rahimahullah, uh, to justify or to, um, you know, uh, spread whatever message that they want to spread. So the first question I wanted to ask you, Sheikh, was who is the real Sayyid Qutb? Well, before I answer, I will just comment on a word you said. Mm -hmm. those who hate him. Mm -hmm. I can say something here. Mm -hmm. Nobody who has really read Sayyid Qutb and knows Sayyid Qutb through his writings, his Islamic writings, Quran, his mm -hmm. work on the Quran, or his other books like uh, the Islamic uh, concept, uh, like uh, Tasweer al-Fanni fil-Quran, the Quranic imagery. Mm -hmm. no, 
Nobody can hate him because of what he wrote. People may think that his last book, Ma'alim Fattariq, Milestones, mm. is uh, the, uh, the seed or the core of extremism. But you see, they, we come before, if we analyze Ma'alim Fattariq, we have to look at his other writings. Yeah. Sayyid Qutb had a powerful pen. He was really magnificent with his use of words. And if you read his early books about Islam, mm. you will find the real Sayyid Qutb. Not only the real, uh, he, uh, look, Sayyid Qutb had a very long uh, journey in life, although his life wasn't that long. I mean, he died at the age of 60. Uh, he wasn't that old. Mm. But that was a very long journey because it moved from a literature, a, a literary figure, somebody who is really given to literature. Mm. His writings at that time were only Literary, he's, uh, he's a poet, he's a novelist, he's an essayist, essayist, not mm. atheist, essayist. <laughs> <laughs> he writes essays, yeah. he, write, he writes articles. I read somewhere uh, in the order of 380 something he's written in his life, 380 articles and essays. Well, uh, that is not much that mm. uh, you uh, don't forget. I mean, in the shade of the Quran, mm in the English translation is 7,000 pages, <laughs> 7,000 pages. Yeah. <laughs> it, in Arabic, it is a large book. Yeah. Uh, in, see, this is, this is Quran in the, in the Arabic. It is a large mm. book and it's 4,000 pages. So he wrote, so 380 articles yeah. doesn't, isn't much, <laughs> but he, he had, fine poetry he wrote a couple of novels he wrote other things and in and in all this he was very powerful mm. to know how powerful he is uh, he used to write three articles a week in three different magazines mm. and every after every article that is during the royalty regime before the military coup of 1952 after every article he would he would be called in by what the apparatus at that time called the political police mm. that is intelligence police to interrogate him about his article and because at that time still the law uh, the, the rule of law was respected mm. they would let him go and he would go to sleep at, uh, at home mm. and then they asked they considered what shall we do with him there is no legal way that we would put him in prison so they sent him to america on a study leave <laughs> or on a study to, to study in america hoping that he will forget all about <laughs> egyptian politics and egyptian but his articles were an echo of what the ordinary people feel mm. and what they need. And that's why people say that he was a socialist or a communist. No, he wasn't. Mm. He was a literary figure who felt the pains of his people and expressed them powerfully because he had a powerful pen. So one of that the... Is that is the early mm. Sayyid Qutb, prior yeah. to its Islamic orientation and Islamic movement. Yeah. Um, so one of the, the narrative, according to some, is, you know, when he went to the USA, he became, um, you know, disgusted with, uh, with the society there and he became, quote unquote, radicalized. And then he, you know, he, his, his writings took a turn towards more, um, according to his critics, a more violent, militaristic kind of uh, quote-unquote Islamist 
you know, ideology, right? Because he's, he's, uh, he's quoted, I'm sure you know, you know, the father of uh, Islamism or Islamiyin and, um, and, and quoted as, you know, the, um, the, the philosopher of terrorism, the philosopher of terrorism, the, 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 the person who inspired Osama bin Laden and these types of things. So there's been obviously since the war on terror, a renewed interest in Sayyid Qutb rahimahullah, through that lens, through the lens of, uh, you know, terrorism and counterterrorism and so forth. What do you say? Yes. What do you say about that? To start with, I'll say that the war on terrorism is a mm. sham, really. It is a sham because for one and, and, to, and to prove it, why do we not have a definition for terrorism, mm. an agreed definition for terrorism? And who objects, who refuses to have a clear definition of terrorism, which would be accepted by the United Nations and approved by the Security Council? Do you know who, do, who, who objects mainly? Probably it states. is the United States. It is the United States. Yeah, states that would be accused of it themselves if they had a... Not only that, because then if there is a definition, mm. they will have to be bound by it. Yeah. And much of what they do will mm. not happen. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Sayyid Qutb never wrote a sentence that could be interpreted as a defense of terrorism. Mm. Not a single sentence, and I def and I challenge, having translated the Al Quran, and nobody reads anything like a translator reads it mm. because he has to express <laughs> to be expressed. You see, I I know what I am talking about, mm -hmm. and, and not only so, I sat with Sayyid Qutb twice for one to one. For two, for two and a half hours each time. And we talked about his philosophy and what he thinks of the future of Islam and the Islamic movement. And what he told me at that time is definitely something surprising to anybody who thinks of Sayyid Qutb as a militarist, or advocate of terrorism or right. He was insisting very, very strongly, emphasizing the need of tarbiyah, education, mm. Islamic education, developing the perfect understanding of Islam. And that, he said, we have a program for that, which we have implemented in prison and outside and it takes two years of study. SubhanAllah. So where is this? Uh, uh, <laughs> what this? He, say, he says in milestones that if what do we gain if we change a dictator? Mm. What do we gain? We replace him with another dictator. And this is exactly mm. what is happening. He says that removing the, the dictatorships of the Byzantines and the Persians at the time of Islam was to replace them with just with the justice of Islam. And this is how the Sahaba, the Prophet's companions, understood their mission. And that's Rabbi Ibn Amr when he met Rustum and he was asked him, mm -hmm. uh, Rustum asked him, what did bring you? Why did you come out? What did you are you coming here? He said, in order to he, he told him the message of liberation, mm -hmm. liberation of the people, not liberation of the land, liberation of the people, the liberation of man. And this is what he emphasizes in uh, in in milestones, the liberation of man. Liberation from what? From the worship of false gods, false deities, to the worship of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And from the tyranny of religions, of doctrines, to the freedom of Islam, to the justice of Islam, and from the narrowness of hum this life 
to the broadness of this life and the life to come. This is what Sayyid Qutb is about. Now, let me take you back to the journey. What, what started Sayyid Qutb on the Islamic journey is, is way before his trip to America. Mm. He wrote he, his approach to the Quran from a literary point of view. Tadabur. And that's, hmm? Tadabur. They say Tadab that. No, they, no, from uh, the literary, literary mm. point of view, from the language, mm. from the. Uh, and he came up with a theory. It wasn't, it wasn't uh, touched on before. And that is in his book, Atasawir al Fanni fil Quran. The artistic imagery in the Quran. Mm. He wrote this in the 40s. He did not go to America until the 1950 or 50. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And I don't think there is a better book about the Quran and its style. People wrote from very long time about the inimitability of the Quran. Mm. And Abdul Qahir al-Jurjani wrote Dala'il al-I'jaz. Mm. That is the aspects of the inimitability of the Quran and how the Quran cannot be produced. Nothing like the Quran can be produced. And we have so many interpretations. One of them by Mustafa Sadiq al-Rafi'i who was the advocate of Islamic uh, of the Islamic trend in the early 20th century, the early 20th century. So Mustafa Sadiq al-Rafi'i died in 1937. Hmm. And Mustafa Sadiq al-Rafi'i was deaf. From the age of 30, he was deaf. And you know what he wrote, the secret of the inimitability of the Quran? He said, it's music. SubhanAllah. <laughs> A deaf writer speaks about the music of the Quran as it's inimitable thing. <laughs> Fantastic, isn't it? Every angle, SubhanAllah. Absolutely. Mm. But Sayyid Qutb said something different. Said that the Quran with letters and words paints pictures, paints scenes. And when you read and you are looking at what you are reading, you see a a whole scene in front of you. And not only so, but the scene has color and movement. Subhanallah. Mm. And that is why it is not poetry. It's not anything superior uh, excellence of literature. It is much more, it is the image that gives you, that, that, that is in front of you when you recite the Quran. That is Tasweer al-Fanni fil Quran. Tasweer al-Fanni fil Quran. He wrote after that, a couple of years later, he wrote an application of that theory mm. called Scenes of the Day of Judgment in the Quran. That's another book. Mashahid mm. al-Qiyam fil Quran. I thought of, I, I looked recently at Tasweer al-Fanni and I thought, I want to translate it. No, <laughs> it cannot be translated. <laughs> that is impossible to translate. Yeah. And I am an experienced translator. MashaAllah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I think everyone will just have to learn Arabic. <laughs> <laughs> you, you ha anybody who wants to learn. <laughs> right. But there is a different book, which if you want to know about the Quran in a better way and to understand it, which is which I translated into English. It's called Al-Naba' Al-Azim in Arabic. Al-Naba' Al-Azim. In English, it's called the Quran, an Eternal Challenge by Muhammad Abdullah Daraz. Mm. It is a fantastic book and uh, anybody, it, it, it's short, 200 pages, but mm. it is a fantastic book. Mashallah. So mm. I was, um, I want to know what interested you initially into going down this route of, you know, translating such a, a voluminous work of the Quran. 
what uh, what because uh, <laughs> there's I assume there's levels of uh, engagement with the text and 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 love of a text right one is okay I buy it and I another is you know, I, I give it to my friends and encourage people to read it but to translate it you know it must have been a, a big uh, impact right I'll tell you I told you about my two meetings with uh, Sayyid Qutb. Mm. Um, that was in 1964, just as I was coming into this country. Mm. Uh, these two meetings really, uh, I, uh, th that was a special experience. F from every point of view, uh, from the moment I went to see him, and he knocked at the door. Mm. And just to, well, we will not digress, but we'll, I'll tell you something here. I'm not Egyptian, I'm Syrian. Mm. Uh, but I studied in Egypt, I studied my university in Egypt, and finished in 62, and uh, went back to Syria. And then decided to come to Britain for uh, postgraduate studies. And my study is English literature and translation. Mm. That's what I studied at university. When, uh, but I traveled by boat. So I, want, I wanted to go to Egypt, you know, where I studied. So I meet mm. my friends. I was given a verbal message to give to Sayyid Qutb if I can meet him. So when I tried to arrange to visit him, I was told, yes, he is, it's all right, you can go, but he is not in Cairo, he is in Ras al Bar, which is at the sea. Uh, it's a two-hour journey by coach, and the coach leaves at 10 or 12, but he is expecting you if you go, uh, if you can catch this 10 o'clock coach. Mm. I went to the coach station. That coach was cancelled. <laughs> so I had to wait for, for another two hours. And he was expecting me. But because I did not come on the, uh, at the time, uh, so he left. Mm. When I knocked at the door, there was nobody. <laughs> and you were stranded in Rasul Bar. <laughs> in Rasul Bar, yes. <laughs> I knocked again, there was nobody. I knocked a third time, and there came a woman from the back. She was the servant. A middle-aged woman, about 40, in her 40s. Mm -hmm. And she said, what do you want? I said, I want to. Say it. She said, "Look, um, before I continue, I have I have no I knew Egypt and what how servants address the people mm. they work for. They would always say Pasha or Bey or something, you know, very respectful." Mm. Now I said, "I want to say it." She said, "I'm sorry, he is not here. He is he's gone." this way and you can meet him uh, he's uh, on the beach you will not you will not miss him because he is with his sisters and they all are covered <laughs> mm? the only ones <laughs> there there you will find brother sayyid mm. you see the servant mm. saying brother Sayyid, the head of the family, instead of saying Sayyid Bey, Sayyid yeah. Pasha, or Sayyid Bey, or Sir Sayyid, or whatever you, you want to add a, a title to him. Or she Sayyid, was saying Sayyid. brother. So it shows that he lived yeah. what he preached. SubhanAllah. Mm. I went, and when I saw a man with a few women all Islamically dressed. 
<laughs> I went to, towards them. You know, on a beach, you find people in swimsuits, <laughs> swimming costumes. Mm. <laughs> at that time, there was no hijab in Egypt. Mm. No hijab. In four years of study in Egypt, I saw only six women with hijab in four mm. years of study. So when I went towards him, he came to me and he asked me what delayed you. So we went back to, to home and I stayed with him for mm -hmm. two and a half hours. And then at the end of the of these, uh, he, he, uh, he said, if you delay your travel, come again. So that's why I went again. Mm -hmm. I delayed in order to go again. <laughs> <laughs> These two meetings influenced me, really. And I had read a couple of his books before. I read Taswir al-Fanni, I read... Uh, so, on 29th August 1966, he was put to death. Mm. He was made a martyr. Rahimahullah. At that time, on that day, I was in Beirut in the morning and uh, I saw his uh, one of the Nasserist uh, papers, papers who supported Nasser, showed his picture taken from the court to the, to the prison after the sentence mm. and he was smiling beaming with a smile his face was beaming with a smile <laughs> and the paper said that somebody asked him what was the sentence he said martyrdom allahu akbar, allahu akbar. <laughs> right uh, that day i came i went back to damascus from beirut and the travel was in a taxi the taxi would take passengers by by passenger. Yeah. So the driver was uh, putting the radio on. 1966, no uh, yeah, radio was the main mm. uh, uh, thing. And it was Israel's station. And on the news, the Israelis uh, mentioned the execution of Sayyid Qutb and they spoke about Sayyid Qutb as author who is translated into several languages on this and that. And I felt, I felt really the pain, the great pain. Israel saying to us, you Arabs are killing your thinkers, mm. the people who think, the people who want to give you to make you better what service could you give us more than killing such <laughs> figures that's how that's where my feelings mm. now that was a thursday the following thursday after asr prayer i had a nap And I saw in the dream, Sayyid Qutb. SubhanAllah. And he said to me, Adil, addressing me by name, said, Adil, the Pakistanis need Fidral al-Quran. <laughs> SubhanAllah. <laughs> he mentioned us by name. Yes, and to me, to me, after two years in Britain, Pakistanis meant Muslims mm. because you know they were the main, the, the main. Uh, oh yeah, I understand. Yeah, yeah. before all these migrations, uh -huh. mm. so most of Muslims in Britain were from Pakistan and India. So when he said Pakistanis, he meant to me non. It meant to me. English-speaking Muslims mm -hmm. need Fidral al-Qur'an. I woke up 
It was only a 20 minute nap. And it was after Asr prayer. I had just come back from the mosque. I said, Insha'Allah, I will do. Alhamdulillah that I fulfilled the promise. Alhamdulillah, Alhamdulillah. <laughs> and on behalf of all Pakistanis, I thank you. <laughs> May Allah reward you for that service. How long did it May take Allah you? May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala accept it. Ameen, Ameen. How long did it take you, if you don't mind me asking? Well, that is a question. That is a very, very difficult question mm. to ask. <laughs> <laughs> because it wasn't something that I had sat down to uh, to translate and finish. Yeah, it was. It is a journey. It was mm. a journey. So, if you don't mind me asking, um, are you able to divulge anything uh, from the the message that you were asked to deliver to him? Is it is it relevant to anyone today, or is it? Uh... No, it isn't. Just something. Okay. <laughs> it's worth a try. Um, you mentioned that uh, Sayyid Qutb, rahimahullah, he, uh, you spoke to him and you asked him about his vision for the future of Muslims and the Islamic movement. What, was, uh, what, was, what were his views uh, with regards to that? In terms, so you mentioned already Tarbiyah has to be um, central, right? Mm. Tarbiyah, the, the... Yeah, well, his words were this. We are not the remnants mm. after a battle. We are the vanguard of a new movement uh, to revive Islam. Mm. So he was full of confidence and he was uh, feeling it. But in order to, that, to do that, we need to understand he spoke about the revival, revivalist mm. movement. He said it started with Jamal al-Din al-Afghani. And he, his call was all Muslims of the world unite. Mm. But, he's, but this is just a common call and to all people and uh, but without any practical program mm -hmm. his disciple and friend Muhammad Abdu realized this and he thought that he needed to have an elite an elite of society which is committed to Islam and to a revi revival of Islam and this is what he did and around him many of the highest figures in society uh, accepted his vision and uh, including Saad Zaghloul for example and uh, but soon another another defect in this was apparent and that is the elite on itself cannot uh, bring it bring a rebirth mm. of Islam unless it can rely on a popular base and this popular base must be uh, committed to islam and this is what the, what was discovered by hassan al-banna so mm. he he considers hassan al-banna as a third uh, generation or if you like a third step mm. towards the islam and hassan al-banna was able to form this popular support but now we realize that there is another another missing element if we say and the missing element is the tarbiya mm. that popular base cannot be just moved by emotions it the emotions have to be based on good understanding of islam and what is needed for the birth of Islam. Mm. And this is what we aim to do through this program of Tarbiyah, of education. Mm. So you yeah. see, you see, this is and totally do you, do you different. Think, do you think it was that that rendered him a, a threat to, to the powers that be? Of course it mm. is. Of course it is. In the, the military, uh, the military tribunal, which sentenced him, 
was speaking to other to, to the others. You, you know, the case itself has more than forty people accused of. Uh, and he was asking, "Did you read Ma'alim Fatari? Did you read Milestones?" And the answer, yes. Well, well one of us read it. And uh, he said, "Well, you are sentenced for five years because of reading the book." Mm. Mm-hmm. There is no, no 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 way for any uh, for any no reason for for imprisoning the man other than reading a book. Yeah, it's similar, I suppose, to some of the today's war and terror policies uh, in the the Middle East in some countries. You know, the Uyghurs, for example, in East Turkestan they're facing a repressive crackdown uh us over here much less obviously alhamdulillah but still there's cve policies so-called countering violent uh, extremism policies that somehow place you know um some scrutiny on dangerous thinkers or forbidden kind of books and literature and and, and stuff like that do you think that there's there's something to learn from the resurgence of that type of um those types of policies because there seem to have been uh, a bit of a reduction in the the suppression of muslim freedoms to think and to write and to read um between those times between the war between that time and the war on terror is that is that a fair assessment or do you see things differently possibly um, due to maybe the encouragement of jihad uh, against the soviets as part of the cold war the United States uh, and, well, and giving Muslims a longer leash, so to speak. You see, you see the uh, the uh, superpowers or the main powers or the colonialists or mm. imperialists, or whatever you call them, will will use whatever uh, uh, means in order to achieve their own purposes, mm. and they will always turn back on their allies if they think that it is a threat. And <clears throat> one vice president of, of America, Dan Quayle, he was the uh, vice president with George Bush senior. Mm-hmm. Uh, he said that the Western civilization f- faced three threats in the 20th century. Uh, nationalism, which is Nazism, uh, mm-hmm. Nazi, that way, and communism and fundamentalism. It dealt with the first two. Mm-hmm. And this was, he said this just after the collapse of the Soviet Union. And now we have to face the third. And of course, fundamentalism to him is only Islamic one. Mm. Hmm. So that is, uh, it, it wasn't planned, it was, uh, but they wouldn't mind using us mm. for in, in a war f- which serves their purposes. Mm. We need to have our own strategic uh, political w- uh, thinking. And unless we do, we will be lost. And un- unfortunately, today, we are just only thinking of uh, what happened in the Arab Spring, what happened in a, and we are not offering ourselves in the right way. The right way, that is the Islamic way. Mm. We, who is Who today understands what an advocate of Islam is standing for? Very few people. We talk to ourselves unfortunately. Mm. But I want to go back to Sayyid Qutb and tell you something that happened uh, that happened the day before his execution. And this I heard from his sister. Mm. It's uh, not uh, hearsay, not story by story, Mm -hmm. but his sister, his youngest sister, 
she was 31 years younger than him. Mm. And because of that, when she went to visit him in prison as a young, they thought that she was his daughter. They were mm. al He was allowed two visitors, but they allowed her uh, as, you know, sort of an act of kindness. Yeah. Once every three weeks. Right. So when they re-arrested him in 65, they also arrested her. And she was named in the same uh, case. And uh, she was sentenced to 15 years of uh, imprisonment. And she was imprisoned in the military prison, prison which, is, which has no facilities for women at all. Mm. Because it is for soldiers. Mm. Now, <clears throat> she told me this and she wrote it in, a, in, in, in her book as well. She said that she was taken from her cell to the commander of the prison. And he said to her, I am going to tell to show you something which I am not supposed to show you. And in fact, I could be in trouble for showing it to you. But I will show it to you anyway, because I, uh, I respect you. And he showed her this, the signature of the president, President Nasser, on the sentence that to, to uh, execute Sayyid Qutb. He said to her, with this signature, we have no way out but to do it. And he will, he will be executed unless you save him. You see, you see what he says to her. Unless you save him, he will be executed tomorrow. She said, I, here, I can save him. He said, yes, no one can save him except you. And if you do, you will go and sleep at home tonight, and he will join you in two weeks' time. How? She said, how? He said, he only need to write four lines. He should say two things. That he is sorry, and that King Faisal of Saudi Arabia financed his organization. <laughs> she said, but he will not do that. He will not do it. He said, but you persuade him. I can guarantee you, you will be in, you will sleep in your bed tonight and he will be with you to, in two weeks. And the country needs you. The country is taken over by the communists. If you do not stop them, who will stop them? That's, he played mm. on this. Now she said, she said to me, I thought, at least I can see him. Mm. If I say I will try, they will allow me to see him. And I will see him before he dies. Yeah. So she said, I will try. <laughs> <laughs> so he assigned a, a, an officer to take her to his cell. And as they walked, the officer told her, you have half an hour. So she went to see him and she said, Brother, my brother, they want you to write this. 
And he said, before I finished, he turned to the officer. And he said to him, you know that this is untrue. And because it is untrue, there is no power in the world that will compel me to say it is true. And had it been true, there would be no power in the world to stop me saying that it is true. And the officer said to him, then it is all over. He said, what do you mean? Shahada? Martyrdom? <laughs> if Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has is going to give it to me, you cannot stop it. And if he denies it to me, you cannot no. give it to me. Mm-hmm. The officer was upset and he said to Hamida, to his sister, you have half, you have quarter of an hour. <laughs> and that is her own report. SubhanAllah. SubhanAllah. So you see, even the last day, even the last day, and of course the, 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 the prison commander was not acting on his own. This one were his instructions. Get him to sign this. Mm. And even if he signed, would they fulfill their promise? Mm. They never did. You know that he was a friend of Nasser before? I heard so, yeah. Before In fact, revolution. he was the first one to call the coup d'etat mm. revolution. Before that, they used to speak about it to the military movement, mm. the army movement. But then he got disillusioned with what, what came about after that, the, the lack of rights. The of, lack course, of, the, of course, of yeah. course. It was, it was with, with him, it's either commitment to Islam or no. Mm. And he was offered the ministry. Mm. And I know that for certain. He was offered a ministry. And not only so, not only so, uh, he could have escaped the second imprisonment. Mm. You want to hear how? How? (laughs) I heard this from the man who was uh, trying to help him. He was a diplomat in the Libyan embassy in Egypt. And he said to me, he reported to me, and there was another person, a leader of the Muslim Brotherhood in Syria. He said that I want to speak to to, to see him when arrests of the Ikhwan and his brother was were, were going on. And he told me, Wallahi, the I am the one they want. Hmm. He said, and I said to him, then why would you, I'll suggest to you that you now come with me, with your family, your sisters, and I will take you to Libya in my diplomatic car. Nobody will stop us. He said to him, I'll answer you the same answer I gave last week to a group of Iraqi military officers who came to me with a message from President Arif, President Abdesalam Arif. You know, President Abdesalam Arif was the one who got him released from prison a year oh, earlier. He said, the president sends you his uh, greetings and tells you there is a conspiracy and you are the main target. And would love that you come with us in our plane to take you to Iraq. (laughs) He said, I answered him, I answered, gave them the this answer that I am now giving to you, to the Libyan diplomat. There are 3,000 young men in Egypt 
who are committed to Islam and look at me at the, as their leader. To, to desert them is like deserting the battlefield. I'm not going. I'm not going anywhere. Subhanallah. A man of integrity. Man of integrity, knowing that they they are. He is the target, but he cannot abandon his troops. Mm. And his troops are in only people who are learning about Islam and developing a good understanding of Islam and to be influential in the in the transformation of society into an Islamic one. Mm. No terror, no attempt to take over by force. In fact, taking over by force. He said to me, to me, that it is it it brings no good result. It's usually in it, life, generally, <laughs> taking the quick, uh, the shortcut. It always yeah. has a negative, more negative no, ramification. No, no, the prophet's method is yeah. different. Yeah. The long, gradual process of improving. Yes, yes. You have to establish mm. a core, a critical mass in society. And mm. that is what the Prophet ﷺ did in Medina. Yeah, so do you you mentioned uh, a few words right a core elite uh, vanguard from Sayyid Qutb rahimahullah and some people before him uh, you mentioned um, Jamal al-Din al-Afghani uh, rahimahullah um, so sometimes their critics uh, or even not their critics just kind of researchers they they look at this terminology uh, vanguard and uh, and so forth especially and they and they level um, charges or they, they they try to describe them as inspired by marxist slash leninist kind of uh, political philosophy of uh, no 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 the marxists are yeah. influential by uh, in, influenced mm. by the islamic way oh, okay. it is the other way around <laughs> so the but marxists were yeah, yeah. Anyway, islam did come first <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we are, we, Islam has been there for 1400 yeah. years. Marxism only what? Uh, yeah. uh, uh, 150 mm. years? Yeah, yeah. No. That's a, that's a, that, I've never thought of it that way. Yeah, it's finally right. <laughs> <laughs> um, what do you think? Uh, I always try and ask this when I, when I think about um, historic kind of um, individuals and thinkers. I try and put them in our shoes today, and what would their because it's it's you know in order to, as you know in order to understand and appreciate someone's writing and someone's philosophy, you have to look at their context, the political milieu that they lived in. What do you think would be different in the writings in the thinking of Sayyid Qutb rahimahullah had he been here today? Number one, uh, in general, and number two, his advice. Uh, or his analysis of Muslims living as minorities, for example, for us in the United Kingdom, would it be would it have been different, uh, or would he have still kind of um, uh, maintained the same roadmap? Uh, there would be no difference in the uh, in the main idea, but difference in the details of how uh, you implement. Them, or how do you go about them? A minority uh, is different from uh, working within an, a Muslim society. But mm -hmm. then, is, well, 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 if we use the word Islamist, which I did dislike. Likewise. Uh, <laughs> uh, we are minorities in also in Muslim countries. Mm -hmm. So we are really uh, the the uh, what well we are we will have to use the word vanguard la mushahata fil istilah la mushahata fil istilah yes <laughs> that's that's absolutely yeah. <laughs> right uh, so we 
اوف كورس يعني الصحابه وير ذا فان جاد رايت سو وي هاف تو بي تو ريلايز ذات the we he will probably stress more and more the uh, vision that he was to give to to the to the sahaba the prophet gives used to give to the sahaba take the example the story of when the digging of the the moat uh, yeah. to to prevent the mushrikeen uh, from coming into medina and the stumbling rock they were in fear mm-hmm. they realized that they the, the enemy is coming to exterminate them mm-hmm. that's that, that was a declared aim extermination of muhammad and islam mm-hmm. and the prophet sallallahu takes the axe and hit the rock and says i can see the palaces of persia mm-hmm. and the other i can see the uh, palaces of byzantium and the third i can see the sana in yemen and the munafiqin will say he speaks about these and we are in fear we cannot uh, go to uh, to relieve ourselves mm. the prophet sallallahu gave the sahaba that vision that yes through islam you will be able to spread the, its light through the world and this is something that we need to stress we have the means to to take people mankind out of the darkness of the tyranny of capitalism or the tyranny of communism or the tyranny of whatever all tyranny mm. when we see the world today wherever you go there is a tyranny Be, when we speak of the rule the, the world is ruled by the mafia of arms and the mafia of drugs and the mafia of mm. uh, of, of, of medi- medical drugs mm. Mm. these are mafias which are running the world yeah and and running it how by tyranny and our countries have tasted the tyranny of the western civilization which speaks of freedom fraternity uh, uh, liberty and equality uh, what did they do with us with the red indians with the uh, other uh, with the aborigines yeah. what did they do extermination extermination survival of the fittest we would be the fittest with the light of islam hmm. because it will be a liberation of man of the human kind and this is what is important hmm. when umar ibn al-khattab said to the umar, umar ibn al-as when did you enslave people when god has created them free subhanallah mm. this is why he was the the governor of um, egypt amr ibn al-as was the governor of egypt yes bringing it back to uh, <laughs> bringing it back to that region mashallah um what are your hopes for the current political reality we see in the uh, amongst the muslim majority states then do you see A, a, a positive trajectory emerging or are you pessimistic for certain for certain it will be mm. this tyranny which is now uh, which is really everywhere will collapse and will collapse soon inshallah inshallah how soon nobody can know it is allah subhanahu wa ta'ala who brings brings about but the fact that these regimes are bankrupt mm. there is no doubt no doubt about it all of them they are bankrupt and there a collapse will be coming soon how it is allah subhanahu wa ta'ala who decides and who determines and don't forget this covid 19 which we are living in today mm. is a wake up call 
a wake-up call for humanity that there is so much injustice in the world, mm. so much everywhere. Injustice is in, is really today everywhere. We have only a lighting, uh, a light, uh, a shining light here or there in a couple of spots, but otherwise, mm. it is everywhere. There is a much injustice, mm. and. But inshallah, things will change and will change soon. Maybe we will see it. You will see it. My own uh, vision is that you and your generation will see it. Mine, probably not. Abqaq <laughs> Allah. May Allah give Allah you a, a long life, a longer life, inshallah. Thank uh, you very much. Shukran. We- what about specifically? Do you see any maybe um, areas in the in the Muslim world today? Um, so some people look at uh, Malaysia or Turkey or Pakistan, trying to, for example, for, form a, somewhat of an alliance or to to shift the the center of Sunni Islam away from the previous kind of uh, axes towards a, a newer one. Um, are you hopeful in that or? I am definitely hopeful, mm. but whether it will come this way or that or how mm. it will come, I don't know. But I am hopeful. Mm. The important thing is to feel the independence, mm. and I see that in Turkey that is happening. Mm. Alhamdulillah, but it, we need to re- reinforce and make it make it. Uh, solid much more solid mm-hmm. perhaps malaysia i i don't know much about mm-hmm. malaysia but probably uh, these two countries hopefully will uh, and if pakistan joins them then that is that mm-hmm. will be a great alliance mm-hmm. inshallah inshallah um just finally i, I know you uh, i've taken a lot of your time uh, may Allah reward you and uh, i feel like just carrying on the conversation but i'm i'm, I'm conscious of time I wanted to get your last final quick advice. Uh, imagine if somebody is completely new to the discussion of uh, Sayyid Qutb rahimahullah. What would you recommend them to read um, as an introduction to his to this thinker to get a, a, a good introductory um, view into this person's philosophy, his thinking, and particularly that which is relevant to them today? Uh, there are two books which are in English. Mm-hmm. هذا الدين والمستقبل لهذا الدين. This religion of Islam and the future is for this religion. These are short books, but they are very good for an introduction. I don't recommend. I wouldn't recommend milestones as a starting point. But Fidlal Quran is very, very interesting book. Mm. And there are flashes in that, which are, uh, you, you know, shows you how, uh, how what, what sort of person Sayyid Qutb was. And these are, say, like a commentary on that's verse 2 in Surah 35 and speaks about God's mercy. That is, I'll show which verse that is. That's in Surah Al-An'am. Yeah, Surah Al-An'am. But I will tell you the number of the verse. Mm. You can tell us Zakir Naik style. Uh, 59. Yeah. F- number 59, verse 59 of Surah 6. He, he writes 11 pages about that verse. I think there's a, there's a lot yeah, good good stuff to get uh, people uh, thinking, obviously reflecting mm. on those important ayat as well, as well as 
getting an insight into the thinker uh, and maybe mm. some insight into the translator as well inshallah all right thank you <laughs> what else will thank you be working on now uh, you mentioned uh, over the phone just uh, i think some people will be excited to hear what else you are translating uh, uh, coming looking forward to in the future i have translated a book a very good book and large one mm. it's called the quran and its study علوم القران by Adnan Zarzour, a professor of Quranic studies. Ah, okay. It's really a very good, very good book. Mm. Uh, I am, uh, I translated other, many other things, mm. but this is one, something uh, which I recommend. Uh, for, it's a, probably a textbook for, yeah. uh, about the Quran. Mm. Mm. Okay. Zakumla khairan, Sheikh. Thank you. Uh, hopefully, I'll see you soon, inshallah, after this uh, pandemic is over. And uh, we can have, inshallah, a podcast in person. We'll invite you to the studio, inshallah. Right, thank you. Inshallah. You will give me some a, a, a cup of coffee. Yeah, absolutely, inshallah. <laughs> <laughs> any, any, any uh, you know, we have many, many beans to uh, choose from, alhamdulillah. Mashallah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, right. Assalamu okay, alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. Assalamu rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. And uh, assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi for watching at home. Uh, I hope you've enjoyed this. Uh, if you enjoyed this uh, conversation, give it a like and a share. Uh, let us know in the comments uh, which part you were uh, particularly interested in. We do try and read the comments. Um, and also, don't forget to subscribe wherever you uh, get your podcasts. So, whether that's Apple, Spotify, uh, Google Play Store, all of that stuff. Um, a lot of people, you know, just listen when they're driving, when they're you know, working, cleaning, cooking, uh, playing with the kids, whatever. So you can just have us on in the background. We won't. We try not to say anything too scary to upset the kids. But yeah, just a reminder: this is available in audio-only form as well. So um, yeah, let us know what you thought of the podcast. Give it, uh, give it a little thumbs up and uh, share it around. So that's it from me. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh from myself and the Islam Tunnel team.